this is a story that was told several times, mm. and you're hearing another voice right now. Oh, well, you almost heard another <laughs> voice. That's because for the first time, there was a guest on this podcast, which uh, since you're here, you can probably see why there isn't often a guest. It, it's very close quarters. <laughs> um, Mary Robinette Kowal, who was Mary Harrison uh, during this event. And we toured a production of The Pied Piper for a number of years with Tears of Joy Theater on the West Coast. hotel room and go to the parking lot with our, you know, suitcases and um, there's no van and there's nothing there. And I, I very cleverly standed in the parking space where the van had been, put my suitcase down and announced, the van is gone, <laughs> as if Jody could not figure that out on his own. <laughs> and it really was gone. notes and we were having to explain yes yes it's um someone has actually stolen the show <laughs> which she seemed to find endlessly amusing and then we took amtrak back to yeah we had to go to the train station and head back to headquarters with this incredible sense of like loss mm -hmm. like this this show that we'd been doing every day well basically five days a week for Months and months and months. Yeah, I think was, I think we were on the second year of tour at that point. Yeah. So we just it and we had also created the show, so it was it was really as if a part of us had been taken. We'd only been gone for like a week, and we got back to the office, and we got a phone call from a towing company that said they recovered our van in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so we were to go up and, and collect it, and I remember asking the guy, well, is there anything in the van? Do you see anything? He's like, oh, it just looks like a bunch of wood, which didn't seem like a great sign, but at the same time, we thought, well someone who runs a towing truck company maybe would look in and see our puppet show and have no idea what it was yeah. and just be like, it's a bunch of wood. But no, we, we got up to the towing company and... And, and as you, we approached the van, we could see all the way through the windows in the back, all the way through out the front of the windshield. And, and the thing is that when this van 
was loaded, the show completely filled it. So the fact that I could see the front windshield meant that at least half of the show was gone. There was a reviewer in Idaho which described our set as the size of a small yacht, so we uh, definitely packed it in there tight. Mm. So we could see that uh, there wasn't really much left. Only the canvas, the painted canvas drops, basically, were there. Yeah, he had... As we went through what was remaining, it was clear that what he had done was taken everything that could be sold. So he'd stripped all of the aluminum out of the set and, and was going to probably sell it for scrap. And clearly, I mean, we knew that the, the electric stuff was Lights not going to be and there. The sound and sound, but he'd also taken the puppets. Yes, and the only thing I could figure out was that the puppets had aluminum arms. And Hello. so we were thinking maybe, maybe we'd get lucky because we had a copy of the police report. And I think you suggested driving past. Well, we had to drive back in our, our separate... I drove the van back, and Mary followed in her own car. So we were both driving by ourselves to go back to Vancouver. And I just had a bad feeling about it. Like, I just didn't feel resolved. Mm -hmm. And the tow truck company had the papers there, and it included the address of where they recovered it. Mm -hmm. So I pulled over to the side of the freeway, Mary pulled up behind me and I just said, you know what, I just, we've got the address, why don't we just swing by there and, you know, see if maybe he was in a hurry. I mean, why would he want the puppets? Maybe he threw them on the side of the road. Maybe they're in a dumpster somewhere or in a trash can. So she climbed in the van. We got out the map and figured out which area it was in. And we drove the van up to the neighborhood where they had recovered it. Really nice neighborhood. I yeah. Mean, not the kind of place that you think, ooh, stolen van. But over to the side, there's this big, empty field. Huge. So we're, we're thinking, you know, let's look around and uh, so maybe he's, you know, thrown them off there. Is that? Well, we went to, I remember first going door to door. Oh, that's right. And we split up and started knocking on doors. And it was sort of an interesting pitch. I think it said something like, Hi, I'm from a children's theater company, and we recently had a van that was stolen. It was recovered in this neighborhood. I'd like to know if I could search through your trash and see if any, if whoever stole our van maybe dumped some things in your trash. And several people weren't home, and mm -hmm. I just went and looked in their trash anyway. But there were a couple people who were like, Oh, sure, you can look through our trash. <laughs> I don't, did, I don't know what kind of luck you had. I, no one was home at the doors that I was knocking on. So, But then I came to this one house, and I knocked on the door and explained it to him. And he's like, oh, was it a blue van? Or I think, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that van was parked across the street from me for the last couple of days. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. And um, I've seen the guy driving it. He said, yeah, he's in that house right there on the corner. Well, did the police ever talk to you about this? And he said, no, and I think you must have come over. I, I came over around then, and, and I mean, he was really nice. It turned out he was the, the neighborhood watch captain, so, you know, we were very lucky in that regard because he did pay attention. But he was perhaps a, a little too enthusiastic. He, we came, soon came to discover that he was quite quite a zealot. So we're, we're standing there and he goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm friends with the, the mother 
She's really nice. She's been in the neighborhood a long time, but the daughter is a troublemaker. You know, she's got unsavory people coming in and out of the house at all hours. She's, you know, involved in drugs and so, but I'm really good friends with the mother. She's wonderful. Let me call her. And we're like, no! But call? He's, <laughs> he's dialing the number and we're like, oh my gosh, he's calling them? Like, yeah. what's, what are we going to do? And we look out the window and while the phone is ringing and someone picked up the phone and hung it right up. And while we're watching the house out the window, they're also closing the blinds to the house. Yeah. So we're, we think, okay, well, this is pretty good confirmation. So we call the police and we explain what the situation is. And they say, okay, well, wait there. Don't engage the people and we'll be out. Well, and we also realize that he must obviously know something is up because the very van that he stole and was towed away is now basically parked right across the street from his house because yeah. we very foolishly drove the stolen vehicle back to the scene of the crime well because if we had found anything we would have needed to load it well that's true maybe yeah. we were smarter than i'm giving us credit for yes in any case so we're like oh my gosh this does seem like very suspicious behavior this we have kind of an eyewitness who saw the van when he saw the guy driving it and we we're watching the house and then the front door opens and this guy comes out of the house mm -hmm. and he starts walking away, like up the street. He's walking away. Yeah. And we've called the police. We've talked to the police. Where are they? Where are they? There are no sirens. There's nothing coming. And then the door opens and Mary walks out the door. Well, I thought he's, he's going to get away. And I just wanted to keep him in, in my sight. I didn't want to engage or anything at that point. I just, I figured the police will be here any moment. I think it'd been like 10 or 15 minutes after we called before he finally came out of the house. Yeah, it seemed like it was at least 10 minutes. So Mary left and I'm thinking, well, I, I can't let her just go out the door and I stay here. What, kind of, what if something happens to her? Like, how stupid would I feel when people were like, and where were you, Jody? And I was like, well, I was sitting inside the house. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm a good 20 yards behind the guy. I'm not particularly close to him. Although I still think I'm being clever because I didn't go to the same side of the street. Yeah. I stayed on the other side of the street just so it didn't look like we were walking together. But suddenly the street where we've seen no one outside and certainly is not made for pedestrians. There's no sidewalk or anything. Now has three pedestrians yeah. all walking the same direction. And I'm following this guy and I'm thinking, I can't identify him from the back of his head. If we're going to do anything, I, I'm going to need to see his face. And I think, okay, he's never seen me before. I've been in the house. There's this apartment building coming up on the right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to catch up just a little bit, run around the back of the apartment building so that I come out in front of him and just ask him for the time, just so that I can see his face. Which I do, and I, I st my opening gambit, gambit is, um, excuse me, do you, by any chance, do you know Anne? And Jody across the street. Well, I'm not really an earshot, but what I think I hear her say is, did you steal our van? And I'm thinking, Mary, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You don't know if this person has a knife. You don't know if he has a gun. You don't, and you just asked him point blank if he stole our van. 
he's like, uh, no, no, I don't know Anne at all. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, see, I'm supposed to meet her here, and she's late. Do you know where I can find a phone? And again, Jody mishears me. Oh, I don't remember what I heard this what, time. What you what you told me later was that you heard me say, we know you stole it. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. And the guy was very nice and said, oh, yeah, there's one up at the uh, the, the convenience store. And so we walk up the street and we talk about the World Series. And, and I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, okay, he's uh, six feet tall. He's got brown hair. He's wearing a... And, you know, and I'm just trying to catalog everything in my mind. I'm still following on the other side of the street, wondering what the heck is going on. We get up there, and there's a payphone outside, and I go to it and just dial a random number so that I can look like I'm dialing it. And he goes inside and immediately turns around and comes back out and leaves. And I was waiting at a bus stop, well, pretending to be at a bus stop, hoping the bus would not come. And also still scanning for the police, like to try and stop them and say, he's here, he's here, he's here. Yeah. And he came out of the store and turned right out of the store and walked down that road. Mary came back across the street to wait for the bus with me. <laughs> and Jody mm. says, you know, we can't keep following him. And I'm like, that's okay. I can draw him now because I was an art major. So we go back to the neighborhood watch guy. Yeah. Who now? Oh, no, no, uh, no, no, no. That's right. Yeah, I've you're, ahead. you're skipping your favorite part of the story. <laughs> we are headed back to the neighborhood watch guy. And I see a flash of purple in the field. And she suddenly yells out. Well, actually, I think you started running first. You were running across the field yelling, It's the mayor! The mayor! The mayor! <laughs> Which, if you know the story of the Pied Piper, there's the mayor of Hamlin who makes his deal with the Pied Piper. And he was my character, War Purple, in our production. So I start chasing through the field as well. We're running pretty fast, and then Mary suddenly... No, 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 you said... You, you, later you told me that you thought, it's not the mayor, it's Mrs. Heimer. Oh, the color didn't seem quite right. I just think it was the flash of orange, which, the, as we approached, the, the spot turned out to be the wheel of a big wheel. Yeah, it was just a little plastic kid's toy. It's very sad. Not a character in our show. No. Although we really wanted it to be. <laughs> yes. Clearly. So we climb back up out of the field and start walking back, and then we see that the neighbor, watch guy, isn't at his house anymore. He is at the house where the guy just left from. Mm -hmm. And he's with a woman, and they're walking around to a side building, and he waves us over. And as we walk down the hill, they open the big, and it's like a barn, they open the big doors. This huge like shop, kind of garage building. And inside, we see parts of our set. We see the crate that has the puppets. And the puppets were in it. And and it's and, and suddenly it's like we have the show back. And there were things that were missing, but it was enough back that we could rebuild it. But there's still no police. No, still no police. And I think she gave us some. Sto she was like, "Is this your stuff?" Oh, he. 
He, he told, told me yeah. he brought this back for the kids or something. I mean, these puppets are life-size. These aren't little hand puppets. The, the most of them are the size of an adult from the torso, you know, from the waist up. It's not like you're going to give these yeah. things to your and kid. And she kept saying, I never touched any of this stuff. But it takes two people to load most of the boxes. So someone suspicious. helped him. Very yes. suspicious. But the neighborhood watch guy looks at us and says, you let him get away? He asks her, well, where did he go? Where did he go? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then he says, well, there's a, or maybe she did no, say no, she's she, going to, he's going to cash a yeah. check, which of course we're thinking, oh, it's probably a check from, from all of the aluminum that he yeah. scrapped. So the neighborhood watch guy's like, come on. And Mary's going to stay there and wait for the police. I sit down and sketch while Jody goes off and has further adventures. <laughs> I get into this guy's pickup. I think he may have even had a gun rack in the back. I mean, it was really becoming... This person is a militia man. Yeah. So we get in his truck and he starts heading off and we go to this check cashing place that he knows. Right as we get there, it's like a strip mall thing with the glass wall front. We park right in front of it and I'm looking into the store and he's right there at the counter. He turns around and is coming out of the store, and I'm on the phone again. And I think this guy did have a cell phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the phone again with the police. I'm saying I called earlier about regarding a stolen vehicle. I'm seeing the guy who stole our van right. He's right in front of me right now. He's like six foot one and 195 pounds. I mean, I didn't really know. He's got graying, curly hair. He's wearing an insulated jacket. And they're like, "Don't follow him. Just stay where you are." But I really didn't have a lot of control over it because the neighborhood watch guy, we were already trolling along the side of the road next to the man as he's walking down the sidewalk. Clearly he sees us and knows that we're there. We're slowly driving down the road and the police are saying, don't follow him, we'll find him. You better get here quick because we are following him. We're driving right next to him right now. We're on, I don't know, 26th Street or something. And we come to the corner and the neighborhood watchman jumps out of the truck. We're parked like on the side of the street. He jumps out of the truck and he goes up to the man and confronts him and says, what kind of person are you stealing those kids' puppet show? All those kids expecting to see the puppet show and you, and you stole it and now they don't have it and you need to stay right here because the police are on their way. And the guy's like, well, I can't stay. I have a worn out from my arrest. <laughs> and and he leaves and he says, I'll stay with the truck. You follow him. Uh, uh, and I jump out of the truck and the guy is running. He takes off around the corner and I run after him. I turn down this alley and there's a semi parked in the alley and I don't see anyone in the alley. And I ask the truck driver, like, did you see someone run by here? No, I go into a couple of shops and there's nobody there or they didn't see him. Meanwhile... I see a policeman. Oh, I'm looking for this guy. Do you, were you called on this? No, no, I'm here on something else. He was not any help at all. Well, didn't he say that if it happened on the other side of the street, he could have helped you? Yeah, he was like, where did this happen? And I told him the address. That's not our district. You need someone from King County or the other way around or something. 
So I went back to the check cashing place and I went in to talk to the ladies that were working there and they said, well, we can't show you any information. But there was a police woman there as well. And I said, are you here about the stolen vehicle? No, I'm here because someone is selling perfume in the parking lot. Can you help with this? No, I'm not assigned to that. The ladies, after seeing me talk to the police, they were like, okay, we can go through and see what we have. And it turned out that they did have a check that was from a aluminum scrap mm. place. They also had a copy of his driver's license and a thumbprint and everything on file because they require that in order to cash a check. So I said to them, can you keep all of that in a separate area? Hopefully the police will be coming to you to get that information. And then went back to the, the guy in the truck and we headed back to his house. And I think you at that point were I was still, sitting on the front step. I was still sitting on the front step waiting and Jody and the neighborhood watch guy and the police all arrived at the same time. Oh yeah, they got there just before we did, because I think you may have just started talking yes. to the police yeah. as we pulled up. Yeah, and the police officer was driving a minivan, which for some reason amused me. It just doesn't seem particularly official. But it was, it was like this mobile crime unit thing, and he had all of these things for taking fingerprints and all sorts of other things. And I gave him the, uh, the sketch that I'd made, and he's made some crack like, well, you're a regular Nancy Drew. Well, and we'd also told him that we had the man's ID and his fingerprint and everything were all available at the check cashing place. Yeah, and I think somehow we wound up with his social security number because I had that written down in my sketchpad for a long time. I don't remember how that happened. Yeah, they had that too. Oh, yeah. I don't. Maybe I was able to write a few things down. So we take him over to where everything is. He did some dusting, some fingerprint dusting. Yes. And while we're standing there, the uh, the woman... You know, comes out of the house and she's got a box, a Scrabble game box and, and a uh, Walkman. And she comes up to us and she's just almost in tears. And she was crying. Yeah. And she's like, yes, does this belong to you too? I'm like, oh, yes, thank you, thank you. And I reach out to take it and she doesn't hand it to me. And then she says... I'm sorry, the, the volume knob broke off. <laughs> Which actually had broken off already. I had glued it back on, so it had fallen off previously. But, but the, the fact that she'd helped someone with Grand Theft Auto, stealing a puppet show, and was upset that she'd broken off the knob on a Walkman. There's just, you know, an issue of scale that she seemed to, to be having trouble grasping. Well, I think she claimed that these had been given as gifts, yes. too. That she's like, yeah, yeah, he gave it to me. I don't know. She yeah. was, she was kind of crazy. Yeah, so while we're standing there and, you know, he, the police officer asked her for her name and she clearly was familiar with the law because she spells it out <laughs> using, you know, J. J is in jump rope. O is in ostrich. I mean, I don't know what her. I don't remember I what her name Jenny. was. Jenny. I think that was her name. Yeah. He is an eagle. N is a noodle. N is a noodle. 
<laughs> like not a normal way of spelling no. your name. As as if she were used to this. Well, he didn't even ask her to spell her name. He just said, "What is your name?" Yeah. And she immediately started spelling it and using the like acronyms or whatever those are. Yeah, it's not actually. J is in Yeah, like it's uh, Yeah. Anyway. And there wasn't a lot of to do. I mean, he basically just said take it and look, put it back in your van. Yeah, he had gotten the fingerprints, but at one point you know, just he was taking notes and he just suddenly took the sketch that I had given him and held it up to the woman. And she went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where do you get that? Oh, my God. And he kind of looks at me out of the corner of his eye and does this little tiny nod like, nice going. <laughs> Apparently it must look like him. <laughs> so, um... But, I mean, it felt like we had basically solved the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had all the information and the guy was in the area. I mean, he couldn't have gone too far away. As far as we know, the case actually was never solved. Well, the officer said, someone will be contacting you for further details, especially when we get close to taking this to trial. Months later, someone does contact me, and, I'm, and I was surprised that it was, it was significantly after the event. And he said, you know, we're doing some follow-up on this, we're getting ready to pick the guy up, and I'm thinking, pick the guy up? Now? Huh. You've had this for months. And he says, well, what can you tell me about it? Um, you know, do you have any idea what the guy looked like? And I'm like, well, I did a sketch. And he said, oh, is this yours? <laughs> and again, makes the Nancy Drew crack. But as I'm telling him, it becomes clear that the officer who is talking to me on the phone has none of the information that we had already given them. And, and that's why I know that I had some of the guy's information written down in my sketchbook, because I wound up giving it to him from my sketchbook. Like, well, and I think they, didn't he say that, like he had just talked to the girlfriend? They were trying to locate him or something, yeah. and they just talked to the girl, and we're like, well, if you just talk to her, then you're not going to find him. Yeah. I don't know, something crazy. Well, we we remounted the show. Later, the Colombian did a news story on it, and I think that reporter actually contacted the police and said that they didn't... Like, you got a... He got a copy of the police report. And there wasn't even the suspect's name. Yeah, yeah. Like, let alone his fingerprint or social security number. It was crazy. <laughs> or anything. But it made an interesting newspaper story. Yeah. Well, and there was that television show up in Seattle that picked it up. Oh, it was like a Saturday Night Live where they did a little spoof. The kidnappers of the puppets were trying to ransom them. And And the... So they're talking to the artistic director, you know, quote, the artistic director of Tears of Joy and interviewing him. And he was saying, you know, oh, we just want to get the puppets back. We're very concerned about them. And this satellite feed cuts in. And one of the puppets is in front of the camera and says, don't listen to them. They're all capitalist pigs. We don't want to come back. Long live. And then the camera tilts to the side and there's another puppet that's duct taped to a chair and its, and its eyeball is hanging dangling down. out. And He's, it's... He says, got holes in it. Help us! Help us! <laughs> and they cut back to the to the artistic director and the, the host of the show, and one of them shakes his head and says, Oh, it's terrible. It's worse as you can clearly see they're being manipulated. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> puppet humor. <laughs> I love doing this. Because <laughs> we're rats! Doing it all because we're rats! 
but we did get we got all the puppets back and the show we rebuilt it re- was rebuilt and I think it went on tour again yeah we did one more year of tour one more year it. of touring and also did another venue performance which is when that article was written mm-hmm. certainly is the most sleuthful yes. that I've ever, but I don't know that I would have, I mean, I certainly don't think I would have gone out the door uh, <laughs> if I had been on my own. Yeah, well, it may not have been the brightest thing that I've ever done, uh, particularly <sighs> since it made no difference in the big, big term. No, I guess not, actually, because we were going to get the stuff, because mm-hmm. when we came back, the guy was at the garage getting the puppets out yeah so that's the adventure of the pied piper well thank you for inviting me to share that (laughs) sure will you help me remember some details (laughs) (laughs) ah yes yes it's funny because i think actually if someone put the puppets in my hand and set up the stage i would probably still remember how to do the show well i'm sure you remember your first line of the show well yeah but that's a big scream you want to give it a shot and hopefully no one will call the police. You'll frighten your neighbor. Oh, she's moving away. It's loud. Ah! A rat! <laughs> Before the neighbors come knock on my door, that is the first line of the Pied Piper. Piper. 